Hello, I'm Amelia Allen, and welcome to another episode of Altitude Crime. We are entering into the spooky season, so if you'd like to hear a horror movie recommendation from me, hang on until the end of the episode, and I'm going to tell you about one of my favorites. October is also Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and I'm dedicating the next few weeks to stories that involve this terrible dynamic. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, 15% of all violent crime is intimate partner crime. If you are a victim, there is help. Call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-SAFE. That's 800-799-7233 or visit thehotline.org. I have included links to donate and learn more on the website for the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence on altitudecrime.com. Before we dive into this week's episode, I'd like to talk about some statistics from the coalition in regards to domestic violence. In one day, over 20,000 calls go into domestic violence hotlines in the United States. 10 million people are physically abused by an intimate partner every year in the U.S. This breaks down to 20 people per minute. One in four women experience partner violence, and this includes physical violence, sexual violence, and stalking resulting in injury and the need for a range of therapies. One in 10 women are raped by an intimate partner. As we know, women are targeted more than men, but men are not exempt from domestic violence. One in nine men experience partner violence. Intimate partners are involved in 72% of all murder-suicides. Within these cases, the victim is female 94% of the time. Domestic violence doesn't only hurt the adults involved. One in 15 children become aware of partner violence each year. In these instances, children are eyewitnesses to the violence 90% of the time. 142 women were killed in their place of work by their abuser between the years of 2003 and 2008. These 142 women made up 78% of the women killed in their workplace during those years. Domestic violence is just a cruel part of our society that a lot of people don't want to talk about. People know it exists and sometimes just don't want to deal with it. But today, we are going to talk about it. At 10 a.m. on January 3, 2013, sheriff's deputies got a call that a man was in his home and unresponsive. They headed to the San Lazaro Home Mobile Park in an area of Boulder County. Once they arrived, deputies found that the man was dead in his mobile home and there was an obvious gunshot to the man's chest. This man was identified as 37-year-old Edgar Olivas. His cause of death was confirmed to be a gunshot to the chest, but the manner of his death was entered by the coroner as undetermined. Now, if you're not really sure what this means, it's that the coroner could not determine definitively if the death was a suicide, 
homicide, or accident, given the information they had about the person. So what chain of events led to Edgar's death? Edgar and Carla Bencomo had met each other about six months prior to Edgar's death. During that time, they had been on multiple dates, and it was found that Bencomo was actually in the home when Edgar had been killed. Her story was that Edgar had picked her up the day before on January 2nd. They went to a mall together and then had dinner at a restaurant. They then went back to Edgar's mobile home. They laid down in the bed to relax for the evening. Edgar typically kept a handgun under his pillow, and according to Ben Como, the gun made her feel really uncomfortable. To alleviate this, Edgar moved the handgun to the nightstand by the bed. During the evening, Edgar confessed that he wanted something serious with Ben Como. He really wanted to pursue a relationship with her. However, she did not return the feelings as she wanted to move to be closer to her mom, and this would take her out of Colorado and she was not interested in a long-distance relationship. Shortly after this conversation, Edgar began to show Bencomo different parts of the handgun and how it worked. According to Darren Mariki's reporting for the Lone Tree Voice, Bencomo claimed that Edgar said, quote, how far are you willing to go to pay for my death, unquote, and then shot himself in the chest. In a panic, Bencomo wiped down the gun and put it in Edgar's hand, wiped down everything she had touched throughout the evening, and got Edgar's blood off of her and then went home. According to court documents, the next day, Bencomo tried to leave for Mexico but had car troubles in Pueblo, Colorado. She then hopped on a bus back to Denver. Carla Bencomo, 34 years old at the time, was arrested for criminally negligent homicide. On January 8th, she ended up being charged with tampering with evidence and attempting to influence a public official. She was then held on a $250,000 bond in the Boulder County Jail. She had a preliminary trial on January 31st, 2013, followed by her arraignment on March 1st of the same year. In April 2013, Carla Bencomo entered a plea of not guilty. The trial ensued, and on September 20th, 2013, she ended up pleading guilty to tampering with physical evidence. She took a plea that sent her to 15 months in jail. This particular charge is a Class 6 felony. Carla's plea allowed the dismissal of the count of attempting to influence a public official, which is a Class 4 felony. By this point, Bencomo had already been held in jail for 261 days, and this was applied to her 15-month sentence. Bencomo would end up serving less than 200 days for her sentence. So while this is a short story, it doesn't mean I don't have thoughts on it. Musing number one, I think one of the misconceptions that we have about domestic violence is that it's a long process that someone is with someone for many years before they break free of the relationship, and not that this isn't true in some cases, but not all domestic violence is part of a long relationship. In this case, this was violence by an intimate partner, and you could look at it from two directions. If you're in the camp that Edgar did commit suicide, that's a lot of therapy for Carla Bencomo, and that's a type of violence against her even if it seems convoluted. 
If Carla didn't do anything, she was forced through a criminal proceeding and probably would need a level of therapy to deal with the situation. If you're in the camp that Carla was responsible for Edgar's death, then obviously this is clearly domestic violence against Edgar, regardless of how long he and Carla knew each other. Musing number two. The first thing that really struck me in this case is the ability for someone to fatally shoot themselves in the chest. It seems like you'd have to have a pretty decent aim Even if you were bleeding out, you still have to hit some very specific spot in the chest to really have died before anybody else arrived. And really, this came up nowhere in me looking at information about this case about really what was the ability of the angle that he could get with the handgun to do this. Granted, it's a handgun and not a longer gun, so definitely doable, but it was something that I immediately questioned as I researched this case. Musing number three. Now, I know this is going to be an incredibly short episode. And while I'm sorry for not giving you longer content this week, I really did this short episode on purpose to show how common things like this are and how little is reported on them. I can't even find information on this case as far as who was the official that Carla Bencoma tried to influence. And you would think that would definitely grab some newspaper attention. That is why I want to focus on domestic violence cases this month. So in order to give you some longer episodes this month, some of the coming episodes will probably be covering multiple cases because I do want to give you guys some longer episodes while still focusing on this problem within our society. Again, if you are in need of help, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800 799-SAFE, which is 800-799-7233, or visit thehotline.org. They also have a panic close function on their website to where you can X out and it'll go directly to weather.com. Please don't forget to follow or subscribe to Altitude Crime on your favorite podcast platform. And if you have some more to share with me, find me on social media. You can get me on Instagram at Altitude Crime Podcast and Facebook and Twitter at Altitude Crime. As always, source materials for this episode can be found at AltitudeCrime.com. And like I said, I do have a horror movie recommendation for you. I'll do one each week of October. This week's recommendation is my favorite horror movie of all time called The Changeling. And no, it's not the newer movie with Angelina Jolie, which I believe is based on or loosely based on the Bobby Dunbar story, which if you're not familiar with that case, I recommend looking it up. It was a kiddo back in the early 1900s, I believe, that got lost and they found a kid and thought it was him. And there's this whole debacle over if he was really Bobby Dunbar or not. And I think recently one of his relatives did some genealogy and found out that he wasn't. So very interesting case, but not what this movie is about. I'm referring to the changeling that came out in 1980 and starred George C. Scott. It's basically the story of a haunted house that tells its inhabitants why it's haunted. It's just simply creepy and it's by far my favorite horror movie ever. So I totally recommend checking it out. Well, thanks for joining me again this week. And I will talk to you next Sunday on Altitude Crime.
Episode 27, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, Edgar Olivas, was written, recorded, and edited by Amelia Allen. Music provided by Podbean.com.